Hello, and thank you for joining us from wherever you are. This is the SBS Replay podcast from the New York University School of Professional Studies Student Council. Each podcast episode features a guest speaker from our How I Got Here lunchtime series, where we listen to the stories of our professors, alumni, and members of the community about their career, their journey, and above all, about how they got here. We are back with a fantastic lineup for this summer with amazing and inspiring stories that we cannot wait to share with you. This week, we are joined by Lauren Dalmatov, the coordinator and curator for One Tree Planted Environmental Education Programs. One Tree Planet is a nonprofit organization dedicated to working with global reforestation partners to plant trees and restore forests after fires, floods, and create jobs, build communities, and protect habitat for biodiversity. In the spring semester of 2021, the Community Service Committee, part of the SBS Student Council, hosted a fundraiser for the organization. The original session was recorded on Zoom and was part of the Community Service Speaker Series and was hosted by Jessica Blodgett. As people start to join us, if we have any more friends come, we'll let them in. First, I'll just start by saying thank you, Lauren, and everybody else who has come to our exciting Earth Month, almost Earth Day, One Tree Planted, Yay, Earth and Trees event. <laughs> Lauren is the coordinator and curator for One Tree Planted's environmental education program. So she loves speaking to us students all the time. <laughs> After graduating in environmental studies and education at the University of California, Santa Barbara, Lauren knew she wanted to encourage the next generation to take better care of the environment. I think we have some people from Santa Barbara on the call, so that's exciting. Lauren, let's start with you. Can you just, I've already given the background on you, but can you just tell me a little bit more of who you are and what you do at One Tree Planted? Yeah, definitely. So nice to see you all here. That was pretty cool to see that video. I think that gives a good overview of kind of what One Tree Planted does as a whole, but I work with all of our school programs. So anyone from kindergarten, preschool, little tiny tree lovers, all the way up to adults looking to learn more kind of falls under my overall umbrella. And most of that is spent with elementary school students. So we do have a whole curriculum and program for elementary school teachers and students to go through. And then a very similar program for high school. And then for university, it's a lot of things like this, talking to students, answering tons of questions, helping them reach their sustainability goals, maybe through fundraising or through getting out and planting trees themselves. And yeah, it's super exciting. I love it so much. It's so fun and exciting to get to meet and connect with so many people like yourselves who also care so much about the environment and are really dedicating their lives to learning more about it and kind of doing it the best way possible. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to meet you all. Thank you. Awesome. Maybe one day when things clear up, NYU can go plant some trees with you. I think that would be so much fun. Have a field trip somewhere out there to plant some trees. Awesome. So I'm kind of wondering a little bit more about the mission with for OTP and how you guys put this into action. I know you're on a mission to plant a million trees this year. That's a lot of trees. So how do y'all do it? Our goal this year is actually 25 million. So yes, crazy. lots of trees. <laughs> and yeah, we, we really want to keep it super simple. Our 
our mission overall is just to help everyone be part of planting trees, help everyone have an opportunity to take part in this massive movement that's going on right now where we're really seeing a lot of attention around tree planting and everyone kind of wants to take action and be involved. But I think a lot of people don't really know where to start or if you look at a lot of the typical ideas, they sound really great in theory, like don't use any single use plastic. Sure, that should be simple. But in our world, it's really not. It's really complicated and hard and can be so overwhelming. So especially in my role with students, I really want to emphasize that anyone can take action. You know, if you choose to do it with us and to plant a tree, $1, simple, you're planting a tree. That tree is part of a forest of millions of other trees that everyone is planting all together. And that $1 really does make an impact because they add up. We wouldn't be able to do 25 million trees this year or our 17 million last year without everyone working together and doing what they can. And yeah, so we, we partner with local organizations on the ground and we really rely on them for a lot of their expertise. So from the type of trees to the places that they're planted to the seasons and all kinds of all of that local knowledge, we really pull from them and rely on them for all of that because they know it much better than we can being a global organization. And that's really how it's done. You know, we work with schools, individuals, businesses, all kinds of people all over the world. And just by pulling them all together, we're able to reach those really big numbers. That's so cool. I feel like I hear the $1 one tree and that sounds kind of crazy. Can you explain what the $1 does? It's not just you, Lauren, are going to go plant the tree today. Can you kind of talk about the process of this whole $1 reaching to the tree? Yeah, definitely. So we operate on the typical 80-20 model of any nonprofit. So that means that 80% of your donation goes directly towards the cause, covers the cost of the tree. 20% covers our time. So be that my time here talking to you, our awesome projects team who finds and coordinates all of these projects website team who puts all of that together, a marketing team, you know, everything that happens in-house at One Tree Planted is covered by that 20 cents on the dollar. And then with that 80 cents, you know, it's not as simple as just 80 cents plants a tree because there's a lot that goes into preparing a site and maintaining a site and growing trees and the infrastructure of a nursery. And, you know, if it's a fire restoration site, actually getting in there and surveying the land and figuring out what can be done and when and how and all of that. And that's just to say we partner with tons of different organizations to make these projects happen. And we really help fund that dollar that goes towards the actual cost of the tree. And it may not sound like much, but we've heard time and time again that on these, especially these kind of medium-sized projects that are maybe 100,000, 200,000 trees, covering the cost of those trees is actually what pushes these projects over the finish line and makes that happen because there are a lot of organizations out there and foundations and grants and government funding that works towards preparing the land and maintaining the land and things like that. But there's not that much out there really focused on the actual cost of the trees. And that's usually where these plantings fall short because they're not able to get funding for that. And it can be really expensive, especially if you're in a pretty remote area or something like that. So by covering the cost of that tree, we're really able to help a lot of these projects get off the ground and kind of turn into multi-year projects where it may be able to expand a lot. And just to clarify that a little bit more, if you think of 
the overall cost of a project, you know, if we can come in and supply the cost of that tree, they have that much more to prep more land and to find more resources to expand the project and make an even bigger impact. And that's really where we come in and we're able to kind of engage people and get them all involved by using their donations and then in turn sharing the stories and the photos and the reports of everything that happens after. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it works. So you're, you're talking about all these projects that are off the ground, right? There's so many things going on, but y'all are on the ground in so many places around the world. North America, Latin America, Africa, Asia, the Pacific. How did y'all make this global footprint and how is that managed? Because that's literally the entire world. So how does that work? Yeah. We have an incredible projects team. We have someone focused on kind of each region and we are expanding into Europe right now. So we're bringing someone on the team soon to take care of Europe, but they essentially have their kind of zone. So for example, right now, when I started, we had one that was kind of North America and now it's expanded into, we have a Canada, a North America and a California specific. And they really just kind of own that space. They really, try and make all of the connections that they can and get all those contacts between, you know, in California, there are local resource conservation districts that may know people who need funding for planting trees and kind of get in there and just be the best connected person they can be and really hustle to find those projects. It's not easy to find them. Sometimes, you know, a lot of these projects, it's not something you can just Google and be like tree planting. And I mean, now you can because we've put it out there and made it easy and accessible for people. But trying to find the projects on the other side is not always easy. So it's really just our our incredible team growing and expanding and looking for those connections in different places. That's awesome. I, I want to ask you about these these projects, right? I feel like people know what deforestation is because everybody's talking about deforestation. But the goal here is reforestation. So can you tell us a little bit more about the process that goes on behind these different projects they all are doing in different places? And I'm pretty sure it's not the same kind of tree that's being planted in every region <laughs> that y'all are in. So yeah, just how does the reforestation process go? Yeah, so that's where we really rely on the local partners and their kind of local foundational knowledge. I can give you a few good examples. I'm currently on a tour up the West Coast. I'm in Oregon right now. I'm typically in California to visit a lot of these sites. So I've mainly been focusing on kind of fire restoration sites in California. And with a project like that, it really comes down to, you know, waiting a certain amount of time after the situation has happened or maybe identifying the land that needs to be planted on or has potential to be planted on. There's a lot that goes into kind of surveying the land and all kinds of different scientists and foresters will look at the land and determine what needs to be planted there and what density and kind of how that should best happen, the best timeline, all that good stuff, all the science. And then from there, the people actually working on the ground. So that could be, like I mentioned before, resource conservation district. It could be a small foundation. So for example, in Lake Tahoe, we work with the Sugar Pine Foundation. They really own that one area and just kind of find land that needs to be planted on, find funding, find the trees, just working on putting all those pieces together to make it happen. And yes, so from there, we'll come in with the funding and then typically the planting is done by professionals or volunteers sometimes in that area. So they will actually go out and do the planting. And then we have different monitoring processes based on the location, but typically for one to three years after 
the trees are monitored, made sure that they're growing properly. Sometimes they need, need water every once in a while if they're in a pretty dry area like Southern California. And then, yeah, a lot of our projects are kind of multi-year. So if it's a five-year project, say we have this much land, we'll plant this much the first year. And then when they go back to do the second chunk, they're passing through that first one. And that's kind of how that monitoring happens naturally. And then, yeah, just continuing to grow and, and expand those projects and see what else needs to be planted and how it needs to be done. That's awesome. I, I have a follow-up to that, I guess, about your partners. So how are you guys finding your partners and people, I guess, like us, <laughs> to put on these kinds of campaigns and things? I've seen so many cool things of these giant soccer teams in Italy. I know they've partnered with you guys now. I don't know what it is, something crazy, 300 trees per goal or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, how do these kind of relationships come about? I know people are trying to work on sustainability and find ways to get involved. Yeah. Those are really, I want to say word of mouth, they come to us. <laughs> we don't do a lot on the outbound side for business partnerships. It's mostly, you know, we want to keep it dead simple, as easy as possible. Someone wants to do something sustainable, maybe short term. We're really good at working with people who have short term goals. Like this Earth Month, for example, we had a ton of people come in the last like two weeks who are like, oh my gosh, it's almost Earth Day. We want to plant. 10,000 trees. Can we do that with you? And we're like, yes, let's make it happen. Let's look at a project that will work for your goals. Maybe it's really focused on water quality and that has some connection to your business. And then you can turn around and share that story with your audience. But yeah, they, they mostly find us. It definitely compounds. So the more businesses that we're working with, the more people in that space will see us and then maybe tell their friends and just kind of grows that way. But yeah, those partnerships are really great. That's amazing. That's so cool. Also, I just want to say, I'm sorry if you can hear, it just started hailing outside my apartment in New York City. So there's a lot of sound happening on my end. So sorry if you can hear that, <laughs> but it's hailing everywhere for everybody. I don't know. That's exciting. Yeah, here too. It's like thundering and wow. And happy birthday. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Cool. So we've talked about these projects, these partnerships. These are very large scale projects they all are working on. But can you tell us the opposite of that? What impact does one person have on the environment and how can one person make a difference? Like you already said something about the eliminating plastic and single use plastic and stuff like that. Yeah. So what, I guess, effect does one person have on the world? Yeah, that's a good question. I think a lot of people have kind of different perspectives on it and I won't really claim to have a right answer for that. But I think in my opinion, it all comes down to your your intentions and the attention that you put towards different decisions that you make. And I think, you know, the best way that we learn as humans, one of the best ways is by seeing our peers do something and actually asking them questions and kind of learning from them in a very natural way. So I think, you know, the best way that you can make an impact in sustainability and for the environment is, I mean, of course, course taking steps to do those things like using less paper recycling maybe biking to work instead of driving or things like that but really just kind of doing your best to learn and understand and then share that and that passion with other people because it really does rub off you know if you're super passionate about one part of sustainability maybe it is planting trees and you're telling your friends they may not even pick up on it right away it may take them you know a year to actually make that connection in somewhere else in their life but those are the connections that come full circle and actually drive change and action in others. 
So I think, you know, there are a ton of different ways. I say, I always recommend, especially with younger students, find one kind of area that you really care about, that you're really passionate about and go for it. Really go for that part of your life. You don't have to do everything. You don't have to be a hundred percent eco-friendly all the time. I think in our world, that's a tough goal and it can be discouraging to try and get there. I think taking little steps and doing little things every day and just being more aware of the decisions that you're making is really the best way that we can kind of collectively move towards something more sustainable. And sustainable really does mean a balance. It doesn't mean a hundred percent of one thing or a hundred percent of another. It's finding that equilibrium, that balance in the middle where we're working in connection with nature, but we're also taking care of ourselves and our society and finding something that can be really very long lasting is essentially the core of sustainability. Definitely. Definitely. I have a follow-up to that and then we'll jump to Jessica's question in the chat, but I guess I'm kind of curious about how this world that we live in that's virtual social media and stuff, how has that kind of changed, I guess, that you've seen people's views on sustainability and ways to be more sustainable? I know a few years ago that statistic about plastic straws and turtles went viral, right? And so then everybody was talking about that. Not directly tree related, but I think it's a good example for like the power of the news and social media and things like that. Um, So I guess what are some things that you've seen related to sustainability, trees and social media? Yeah, I definitely think it's a trend right now. It's very trendy to be eco-friendly and, you know, have your reusable straws and your go thrifting and all that. And that's great. That's awesome. I have found, especially with, I, I mean, I do work mostly with younger students and kind of maybe even middle school teenage age, is that those things are great when they're a trend, but trends are also things that we like to compare ourselves to. And that can be again, discouraging, that can be tough to be looking at what everyone else is doing and missing that connection to why you care about it. It's easy to do it when you're, when you see it happening on social media. Oh, everyone has a reusable straw. Of course, I'm going to buy one. But why are you doing that? What's the actual impact? What does that mean for you? How does that connect with your overall intentions in life and your connection to nature as a whole? And I think you need both. It needs to be talked about. It needs to be shared about. And like I was saying earlier, you know, hearing your friends talk about it is one of the most influential ways, but you also have to make those connections for yourself so that it's coming from a place of understanding and a place of caring. And it's something that is really sustainable throughout your whole life. It's something that you're actually genuinely going to care about and think about, you know, think it through all the way. Why are you doing it? What is this? What impact does, does this have? then I think those habits will last a lot longer than these trends will, but it's great. It's amazing that it's so out there. It's, it's such a big change, especially talking to, I talked to a lot of kind of older teachers who taught sustainability maybe 20, 30 years ago, and we're just trying to get environmental science and stuff into classrooms. And it's really cool to see how it's become so much more accessible now it's a lot it's something that we've kind of begun to accept needs to be taught it's something that needs to be talked about and we're definitely moving in that direction in a lot of places it's not to say everywhere there are still some places that really need that exposure but overall i think it's good and that was a long answer (laughs) (laughs) no that's perfect i think the 
quick story time. My aunt, her name is Teresa and she goes by tree. So she has that kind of personal connection that you're talking about for like, why do I do it? Well, my name is tree. <laughs> that's, I guess she doesn't know the science behind deforestation, reforestation, but that's why she loves trees. So I think if everybody were named tree, then maybe everybody would be more passionate about planting more trees. But I think that that personal connection is true because I have my reusable straw and I use it sometimes. I, <laughs> I don't remember it every time I leave my house, you know, but got to think about those turtles more. Yeah. And uh, even that, you know, using it one time out of 10 is better than zero out of 10. And that's what I really try and emphasize is that it's just little, little steps in the right direction is really going to get us all there collectively. Definitely. Definitely. Awesome. Let's go. Let's jump to Jessica's question in the chat. How has OTP adapted to more virtual platforms during, I guess, the last year, last year or so? Yeah. yeah. How have it changed? I mean, we were already pretty virtual. We had an, a head office in Montreal, but we had a lot of people working kind of all over the world. So, I mean, really, other than working in an office with everyone else around, all of our work is online in the cloud, anyways. So, it's, you know, it's definitely been a big change not seeing people face to face and not working with our peers and not getting to meet partners like I'm doing now, you know, things are finally opening up and we're starting to get back to that again. And it's made a huge impact. I feel like we've all learned the few people on our team that are here right now, we've all learned so much just in the last couple of weeks of actually seeing these burn scars and reforestation on them and learning from the people on the ground doing the work and meeting business partners who are working with us and volunteers and people. We were walking through Golden Gate Park in San Francisco and we saw a girl wearing a reforestation shirt, which is our like branded shirt that we have everywhere. And it was so cool to meet her. And she was like, yeah, I plant trees uh, with One Tree Planted. Like they're super great. And we're like, oh, we are One Tree Planted. Thank you. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it makes a difference in the overall morale and the way that, you know, the motivation and the the togetherness feeling of it, I guess. But I think that's pretty basic along every organization working right now. But as far as the actual work, I think we're more efficient. I think we're actually getting a lot more done. We've grown, we've almost doubled in size this year, which is crazy as far as staff. And it's in a lot of ways, working remotely can can actually be more efficient and you know instead of going out to lunch for a meeting and talking for two hours and just kind of hanging out you do a 30 minute zoom call and it's not as much fun but it is a little bit more efficient and allowed us to grow a lot definitely can you can you tell me i i remember seeing this a few months ago the the truck there was the once you planted truck that went around the u.s i think yeah. can you talk That's about what we're driving up the coast so i can show you a photo real quick please um, oh, also my computer is dying. <laughs> it was so fun. I felt like I was out there on the truck, even though I obviously wasn't on the one tree planted truck that was driving across the US, but I felt like I was there with you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was super fun. Uh, we're actually driving it right now. It's right outside. It's big, <laughs> but it's not that bad to drive. I, I can do it just fine. Let's see, here we go. I need one of those trucks. Well, there it is. <laughs> oh, that was a lot of zoom. It's a Mercedes Sprinter van. It's very fun. <laughs> That's crazy. That's what it takes to drive around plant trees. Yep. I love it. I love it. No, I definitely felt like I was there with you guys. The marketing and media around that trip had me so excited to plant trees. But oh, yeah. That's so good to hear. I love it. 
Awesome. Let's go through a couple more in the chat. Has it been tough to get new locations for planting efforts since the pandemic started? No more difficult than usual. It's about the same. There are a lot of places that need trees planted. There are a lot of people that want to plant trees. There are a lot of restrictions around what can be done on certain parts of land. So it's just kind of a constant, you know, working through that and finding stuff. We have a lot of projects with the US Forest Service right now, which is great. And they're super awesome um, in terms of what land they have access to, but they also have a lot of red tape and a lot of restrictions around what can and can't be done. So it's just kind of working through that, but it's, it's no more difficult than it was before. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I do think that the social media part of things probably affects that a little bit. Like people see like, and like with us, right? Like I saw you guys on social and I was like, hey, we're going to do this now. So <laughs> even though we're not out there planting trees, we'll support. <laughs> I see Jessica's plugged our, our digital background. I love it. I love it. I was wearing, I had in class the other day, I think people just thought it was a really pretty tree. <laughs> I, I did too, but thankfully my professor is very curious and was like, what is that, Jessica? Tell the class. And I was like, yes, I will. Oh, cool. <laughs> I love it. No, Lauren, this QR code, is it there? It's there, I think. That's to our, our fundraising page that you made for us. So. Oh, very oh. cool. Maybe Where I'll have to in the next team meeting and show everyone. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Awesome. Let's see. Sebastian says, how does your education and time at UCSB impact you and your involvement in sustainability efforts? Oh, I like that question. Well, definitely a few different ways. So I started there in biology and did not do very well in chemistry a couple times, tried, <laughs> and then decided to take an environmental studies class just kind of because I heard it was easy. I wasn't really into it that much. And then after that first class, I realized that I actually really did care about it a lot. And it was very interesting, something that I really wanted to learn more about. And then I also minored in education and did a ton of stuff, kind of my, for the last while, like teaching dance classes and skating classes and all kinds of stuff with kids. And I really saw an opportunity with both of those to put them together and being in Santa Barbara, it's a huge hotspot for environmentalism. The environmental studies program there was, I think, one of the first started after the oil spills that were right off the coast right there. And they're really kind of foundational in shaping what it means to study environmental studies and environmental science. And not to mention, it's one of the biggest majors there. So there are a ton of people in it. It's very popular there. And so that definitely helped because it was, it was kind of cool and it felt like something that I could definitely get into. And yeah, from there, I happened to find One Tree Planted kind of right before I finished school. So started there before I was even graduated and then ended up going on full time once I was done. Still, still trying to figure it out, I guess, just kind of exploring the different connections that environmentalism has with all different things that I'm interested in. But yeah, going to UCSB definitely shaped it in a lot of ways. That's awesome. Sebastian says Earth Day was started in Santa Barbara. He's very, very proud of Santa Barbara roots. I love that. <laughs> but let's see, a follow up to that. I guess it's kind of more about sustainable education. How have you seen this change in your time with One Tree Planted? You were talking about the older teachers who maybe taught it 25 years ago, but how has sustainable education changed institutionally? I think it's becoming something 
that more teachers are looking for, but more so it's becoming something that more students are looking for. And especially there was kind of a time, I'm trying to remember when, I think it was probably November-ish when some schools kind of went back in person for a little bit and then they quickly got shut down again. But during that period of time, I really found a lot of teachers reaching out saying, all of my students want to learn about trees. Like they want to learn about nature. They were inside for so long and then their parents sent them outside and then they climbed a tree for the first time in their life at, you know, eight, 10 years old, which people used to do all the time. I, we hear that all the time. Like kids don't play the same as they used to. And they're curious about it. Like they genuinely want to learn. And I think that was one of the biggest indicators that I saw that was like, okay, we're on the right path. We're doing something that needs to happen. And we're providing resources and materials that are doing it in the way that we think is the right way. You know, everyone kind of has a different opinion on that. Ours are very flexible and very much, we try to make it really relatable and connectable to all different aspects of life. Not just here's the science behind trees, because that is something that you can dive into if you're interested in, but we wanted it to kind of fit into any classroom. And that, and then aside from that, I think a lot of teachers are realizing that it's, it's something that can fit into other classes. So I work with a lot of, maybe it's an English class and they are reading a poem about trees instead of about something else. And it's kind of seeing people find places where they can plug it in and make it work with the curriculum curriculum that they already have. I'll be interested to see kind of in the next chunk of time what type of environmental education gets implemented in actual like state mandated curriculum because I definitely think in some areas we're heading there. Some places already have some but like California has some nationals or sorry there are some national science standards that fit with some aspects but I find a lot of it is lacking the nature connection side. So there's a lot of kind of textbook heavy education around it that is out there and it may be implemented in some ways, but it's really missing that opportunity for kids to go out and really connect with it in a way that will make everything just click, make it all make sense and seem important. For sure. I know over the pandemic, I spent a lot of time on my couch in front of the TV and my mom was always like, go outside, go look at the trees. <laughs> and I, I've seen that change in my little cousins and stuff. They prefer to stay inside and they're not outside and climbing trees and doing whatever else outside in the yard. But hopefully, hopefully that changes. I know they're, they're liking it now, now that it's warmer outside. Let's see. We've got a couple more. If anybody else has any questions, please send them in. There's been a lot and I've been going through them in direct messages and things. But one that was sent in, I am so excited for this question. Can you describe some of your favorite tree planting memories? Ooh. <laughs> favorite tree planting memories? Well, I did one in Quebec and it was very muddy and that was fun. <laughs> it was kind of crazy. It was super muddy and it was at an old quarry site. So it was like sludgy mud and it, yeah, it was very messy. It was completely covered in mud because it had just rained the day before but it was super great and super fun that was a really good one and then I've, I haven't done all that many actual planting events just because a lot of them got canceled last year and we're still trying to get back into them right now but I think like I mentioned a little bit earlier going and seeing these forest fire restoration sites has really been one of the coolest things I think I've ever done in my life it's so cool to see them regenerating and see where we've planted trees and that 
accelerated planting coupled with natural regeneration and kind of the way they're all playing off of each other and growing together is really cool to see. I love it. That sounds like a lot of fun. I want to do it one day. Cool. Another one that was sent in. This is a great question. Why should people plant trees? <laughs> there are lots of reasons. I mean, there are a lot of technical reasons, things like carbon sequestration and cooling land and providing habitat and providing structure in the ground with the roots and benefits to water and purifying the air, all those kind of scientific reasons. There are also a lot, if you're interested, things like the effect of trees on mental health and your kind of emotional feeling. There's something called forest bathing, which is a very old technique where you essentially just go stand out in the forest and like let the stress melt away. So there are a lot of benefits for people that I think we don't, we may not even notice, you know, if you, if you really take time to notice it, you may, if you're in an area around a forest and you can kind of go through a walk through there and turn your phone off, turn the music off, just kind of be in the forest. I think you might notice it a bit more. I mean, my favorite is biodiversity. I think that's an easy one that people can understand. You know, trees provide habitat to a number of species, but they also provide, if you're, if you're talking about big trees, like maybe redwood trees, they provide a canopy structure, which provides shade for the smaller trees and smaller plants underneath, which also provide habitat. And it's really just this I keep hearing throughout California, a mosaic of different types of species that need to be planted. And it's not just biodiversity of animals or birds or fungi or things like that, that we talk about. It's really playing into the biodiversity of the actual species in an area, which is so, so, so important because say a infestation comes through of something that's eating one specific type of tree, you have to have other types of trees in the area or you can lose an entire forest in the blink of an eye. It can completely go in like a week, which is crazy. Things like forest fires affect all kinds of different trees differently and having areas that's just one type of tree or even you know, no trees, if it's just brush, those play into the overall ecology so differently that I think back to the original question, why do we plant trees? I think it's, it's so important for so many different reasons. And I think we don't even understand all of them yet. I think we have some ideas and we have these things that we know we can touch on, but in reality, we haven't seen a world where there aren't trees. We've seen areas where we can start to see the impacts, but we don't know what it would look like 200 years from now, if we aren't planting trees right now. And that's, a very scary thought to me because I've seen the short-term effects and even the long-term effects of logging that happened maybe 150 years ago within that range and the way it's playing out now. And it's, I, I just think it's a necessity. I think we absolutely need to in a number of different ways and different places and different styles. And just, we need a really diverse mosaic of ecosystems in the world. For sure, for sure. I mean, that was a loaded question when I was saying it. I was like, wow, we, this is the, the question of the talk. <laughs> Let's see, we have a couple related questions here. Thomas says, can you talk a little bit more about green gentrification and U.S. state laws and policies regarding trees? And then Sebastian's adding to that with, do you think urban centers like L.A. or New York are making green initiatives and those are positive effects? I know I see so many trees on top of buildings in New York now. <laughs> yeah. 
as far as the first one, I don't know much on that. I, I don't know if I'll be able to provide the most insight for that. I'm not, we really stay out of policy and laws and kind of that whole side of things. We try and just keep it super simple and plant trees. So I can't really provide much in terms of that. But as far as planting in urban centers, I think absolutely 100% it's needed. Putting trees on top of buildings is a great idea. Put them anywhere, put them in your house. Like just put them everywhere, anywhere as possible. Because we're seeing a lot of, a lot of effects of, for example, if an entire area is paved, right? We know that that can't absorb water in the same way that dirt can that plays a big role in the actual heat of that entire area. And even putting one, two, three, five trees kind of in that area can really break that up and help cool the area down. Um, it can bring birds to the area. It can, it has so many benefits. And I think one of the most important ones is that people see them. People are going to live in cities now. I mean, that's, that's the world that we live in. It has been that way for quite a while now. And a lot of people won't necessarily have opportunities to leave the city and go visit a forest and see a lot of these things that we talk about. And even just having a tree, you know, outside your apartment that you look at every day, that's awesome. And if we can get more people to actually acknowledge the tree and like you wake up in the morning, you're like, yeah, that's my tree. That's awesome. So glad that's there and keep going. It will make such a big impact and such a big difference than walking out and you're just going to work and not noticing any of it that's around. And I know that's a little kind of out there, but I think just the little things like that are going to make a big difference. And aside from all of the actual scientific positives of planting trees in urban centers, I think there are a lot of kind of emotional social benefits as well. For sure. I, I was showing a couple of y'all yesterday on our meeting. I have one tree on my roof and it's dead for most of the year. And then it's just come back and it's all beautiful and green now. And that's, I think, my tree. The one, whatever you're talking about with one being my tree, I talk about that. I see my apartment building from blocks away and I'm like, oh, mine's the one with that little tree on top. <laughs> but yeah, I always encourage, um, especially like kindergartners, if I can talk to them super young, like pick a tree. That's your tree. Watch it grow. Notice it every day come back to it years later. Like if you are living in one area and you leave for five years, you can come back and see if that tree is still there. And it's a super cool connection to, oh, there's a bug in here. <laughs> right? <laughs> Shoot away. I think it might I thought be you'd be used to bugs. <laughs> uh, not so much inside. <laughs> I think it's a mosquito. That's the only reason I'm trying to keep it away. I have quite a few mosquito bites. Anyways, yeah, I think, I, I don't know if I really answered those questions the best but oh good awesome no worries got a couple more here and we've got about 10 more minutes trish says have you considered having a donor mechanism planting a tree in memory or in honor of mm -hmm. yeah on our website you can do a like a tree card you can gift trees you can add notes in there and plant them in memory of people we have lots of people that do that all the time and yeah, it's a really great way to honor someone and to kind of, I, I like gifting them for like birthdays and stuff because it's a nice, easy last minute gift. <laughs> if you forget someone's birthday, you can just gift them a couple of trees and it's super cool and it sends them a little e card and stuff. Yes, I, I've done this for my aunt that I was mentioning earlier named Tree. She loves it when I plant trees for her. It's a great mm -hmm. gift. 
Awesome. A couple more that were sent in. What are you guys focusing on now? I guess what kinds of projects and focus, long-term goals are y'all working on? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, still just trying to keep it very simple. You know, we want to increase our numbers, but in a way that is manageable and goal this year is 25 million, which would be incredible. That's a lot. <laughs> and school program, I'm really looking at this next wave of things opening and maybe the next school year, even the one after that, what kind of in-person opportunities can we offer students and how can we collaborate between, you know, I see a big potential between maybe a business who wants to sponsor something related to students and get them involved. And then a classroom who's looking for someone to help them facilitate tree planting. And then us who are like, we wanna help kids plant trees and we wanna help businesses do what they want. And just kind of even foundations, a lot of foundations have similar goals in that as well and helping put them all together and then really get as many kids out planting as we can. And then we're always looking at, you know, what's coming next. We've done some drone seed pilot projects where drones are actually dropping seed pucks. Just a few of those testing them out, looking at different opportunities with forests in relation to carbon and you know deciding what we want to do with that or not continuing to grow and find more projects just all kinds of things you say it like it's nothing all these all these things that we're working on but it's nothing i love it cool just a couple more for you what is the best way for people like us to get involved with One Tree Planted beyond our fundraiser? <laughs> yeah, I think sharing the message, becoming one of your tree ambassadors is a great way. Hopefully when everyone can be back on campus, we'll be able to do more like tabling slash events type things where we can even bring out the van and come hang out with you guys and hand out t-shirts and stuff like that and really help spread the message on campus. Aside from that, hopefully also we'll be able to do tree planting events soon. It's kind of tough right now. We're trying to see what will be possible in the fall, what may not. I and mean, it's just going to be a waiting game to see how things play out. But hopefully we can do some tree planting events then, which would be great to get you guys out, spend an afternoon planting some trees around New York. And then I'm trying to think of what else. I know some university students really try and use it as a networking opportunity. So if there are any businesses that you're particularly like, wow, they should plant trees with us, you could go talk to them about it and just kind of start having these conversations with people and see where they lead. Because I think at the end of the day, most people have a connection to the environment in one way or another. And it's a great way to kind of start conversations and see where it leads. But yeah, those are kind of the main ways, planting trees, fundraising, using your fundraiser. And that doesn't have to be necessarily within students that can be to the business or outside community as well, because we know students don't have much disposable income and it can be tough to kind of put money towards something when you're paying for school and all kinds of other stuff going on. So really just sharing the message, social media too. You can always share stuff on social media. It's great. Yes. Hashtag tree ambassador. You know, I do that one a bunch. Great. So last question, kind of, I guess, can you give us some parting words if people are not convinced that they need to go plant trees? What would you say to them? I mean, if you're not convinced, I would say, I would ask why, of course, I would be curious to know why you wouldn't want to plant trees. 
I would also say if you can get the opportunity to go see a site that's been maybe logged or burned or just a landscape that's really been changed by human interference. Um, and even seeing something like an area that used to be a forest a very long time ago that's been grazed for a long time. So it has cows on it. It looks like these big, beautiful green fields with cows. Well, sometimes those grasses weren't there to begin with. Sometimes that land was really changed to make room for that. And it's crazy to see the snowballing effect of that. So I think, you know, seeing it firsthand, really doing some research, asking questions. I think a lot of people are hesitant because they may not fully understand what's going on or how it works or why we're doing it. But aside from that, I would say the best way to convince people is just to encourage them to connect with trees themselves, spend some time outside in nature. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, maybe a half hour hike in the woods and kind of check it out for yourself and try and find that connection. For sure. I want to go plant trees now. We, we should do a NYU SPS tree planting something here in the city, get our city kids outside. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely. That would, that would be great. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks so much, everybody. This was super fun. Get involved in the fundraiser. We're doing the trail something activity. Plant, or what are we doing? Posting pictures with trees. Trail challenge. Yeah. Trail challenge. Yes. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's plant some trees. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Lauren, thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you, everybody else, for coming. I'm excited to plant some trees. Yeah, thank you all. It was so good to meet you. You had such great questions. It was so fun. And hopefully I'll see you guys all at a planting event soon. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you to Lauren Domadoff and the One Tree Planted organization. You can learn more and support them at onetreeplanted.org. Join us next week to hear from Edafe Okporo, the executive director at RDJ Refugee Shelter for asylum seekers and refugees experiencing homelessness. The SBS Replay podcast is produced by the students of the NYU SBS Student Council with Allie Weaver, April Cardena, Ariana Olivas, Catalina Mejia, Christine Long, Evelyn Tai, Jay Chandiramani, Jessica Blodgett, Jesse Kim, Justin Choi, Maya Kwok, Sam Fox, Sanjana Benmatsa. Ding, wing. Special thanks to the NYU SBS Office of Student Life. Follow us on social media at SBSUSC and at SBSGSC on Twitter and Instagram for the latest updates. Thank you for listening and for supporting us. Stay safe, take care, and have a wonderful summer.